If you look at this as a business, man, what an incredible business. You can have people meditate for like a half an hour. Yeah? I could go have a latte in the back room, come back, not even do a talk, but just have questions and answers. <laughs> or maybe have a loving gaze for 15 minutes, you know? And you would think that you're getting something, maybe. Who knows? But uh, it's just an incredible business plan. <laughs> I can have a retreat, just fill it up with meditation all day, maybe do a half an hour talk in the morning and come back at four, do another half an hour talk, and it will be called Retreat with Paul, yeah? But I'm telling you, what you need to sign up for is Retreat from Paul. From Paul. I'm going to, after you hear this talk today, I'm going to get your uh, addresses. I'm going to get your addresses. I'm going to send you some CDs and stuff. And then uh, I'm also going to send you some testimonials from ex-girlfriends of mine. How wonderful it is not to have Paul in their life. They feel such a presence when Paul isn't there. And I'm going to have you sign up for a weekend. And I guarantee I will not run into you that weekend. And I bet you on mo Sunday night, Monday morning, you'll feel so much better that you didn't see me. So you will actually sense the presence by my absence in your life. So you can just, if you like that, you can sign up for a month. I'll give you my newsletter. You'll know where I am at all times. Don't run into me. Send the check to Hawaii. And, uh, and you'll feel an incredible presence without me being in your life. So that's sort of what it's like to me in a weird way. <laughs> a lot of people, are, they, they're trying to have an experience of their own absence, which cannot happen. Yeah. You can't have an experience of your own absence. You're not going to be here when you get it. Yeah? It's like an old uh, joke that a guy named Ramesh Balsakar used to say, tell, which he, had a, he was in a group maybe like this, and he'd say, all right, uh, which one would you choose, a million dollars or enlightenment? So everyone, a good, as a good spiritual seeker, went for enlightenment, and then Ramesh says, I would choose the million dollars because at least I'll be there to enjoy it. Yeah? <laughs> See, in enlightenment, you're not going to be there. That feeling of being you won't be the dominant feeling anymore. There'll be a sense, but it won't be a sense of you as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. The sense will be there, but it won't be of you. And you can actually say that this, that sense of presence is contingent on your absence. So you see a, an old Zen master called Dogen, he wrote a simple statement. He says, to study Buddhism is to study the self, you yeah? And when I use the term self, I'm using it, let's say, at the small s, which is a feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It's not a thought. A thought's involved in it. There's lots of thoughts involved in it. But when the thoughts are, are listened to in a sort of an ignorant, ignorant fashion, they produce a sense or a feeling, a vague feeling. So when there's an action happens, you feel like you did it, yeah? When there's a thought that is seen, there's a feeling that you're the thinker of those thoughts. Or when there's a feeling, there, you, there's a sense that you're the feeler. That's called the bondage of self. That's exactly what it's happening. It's not that it happened one date at one time. It's an activity. It's a mental activity that can only happen in time. You cannot be bonded to the idea of self, but, but in time. In the timelessness of, of real mind, there is no bondage to anything, yes? But in time, it can seem like you're a self. Yeah. So how does that bonding agent occur? So this man said very simply, hey, to study Buddhism is to study the self. And when you study the self, it isn't to, to uh, acquire self-knowledge, yeah? 
Like in recovery, they would say self-knowledge avails you nothing. Any knowledge that's claimed by a sense of being the self that has the knowledge won't lead to freedom from that self. It just won't happen. So it says it's in forgetting. Okay. Then you go to another another uh, man called St. Francis of Assisi that said in one of his things, he says it's in self-forgetting that you're reborn or something like that. So why is forgetting? It's not like killing the self or extinguishing the self or vanquishing the self. That would give it too much credit. Yeah? It's really forgetting the self. Why is it forgetting self? Because self is appearing to be so by remembering it. Yeah? In a sense, our mind is remembering being a self. So the thought system isn't based now. It's based on time, isn't it? So the thoughts only can happen now, if you want to call it now, I would just say this, whatever this is. In this, there's thoughts are happening. But the thoughts are usually about what, ha- what isn't happening. Yeah? They're usually about the past and a future. And what occurs is the thoughts are about what's not going to happen in the past, or what happened in the past to you. And the thought system presents you as a body, yes? That's how it can think about you. It thinks about you three years ago, and it pictures you as a body, and it crowns you, that's me. Yeah? I was there three years ago, okay? So now it, it remembers you, that you were there. It's remembering you in the future, that you will be there. Remembering isn't just the past. The future is also remembering the self. So it, when the mind is thinking about the future... And you, what's going to happen to you, it's remembering the self. Yeah? So, in, because the fact is, the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity is just an idea. It doesn't really have an existence here. Yeah? You can't really prove it to you. You can't take an x-ray and find self. It's not located in the elbow or in the brain or anything like that. It's just a mental process. Yeah? I like to call it selfing. So it's happening here. But... It's remembering that it was there, and it's remembering that it will be there, and its logic is, therefore, I am here. That's the whole thing. Yeah? This is called the, the selfing or the mental process that bonds us to the idea of being a self. The bonding is in what we call successive moments. There's a bonding, and at, at every moment of the bonding, the solution is available. The relief is available because the bonding is only seemingly so. It's appearing to be true or false to you. That's what the word seemingly means, yeah? This whole place is seemingly, yeah? So something appears that, let's say, like on yesterday, you weren't, in, you weren't feeling well, and so something was a big problem for you yesterday, yeah? Then the next day, you felt pretty good, and it wasn't a problem. Then the next day, you don't feel good, it's a problem again. What is it? Is it a problem, or isn't it a problem? It appeared it was it appeared to be a problem, then it appeared not to be a problem, then it appeared to be a problem again. What is actually happening? Does that thing actually have an, an inherent quality or is it being given meaning by us? Yeah? In other words, if my condition isn't good, that's that that not being good projects onto other things not being good. Yeah? And we get lost and we believe that's what's really screwing with me. But if you'd follow it back, it's really coming from your own impression, your own interpretation of that. Yeah. So if everything is being given the meaning, there's a, a lesson in the Course of Miracles, lesson two. You and I give everything all the meaning it has. If everything is being given a meaning, then inherently it doesn't have any real quality. Yeah. The thing itself. 
It's being given a quality by us. Yeah. So the mind, in a sense, is dreaming. So, okay, so maybe you can see that you're giving this person a meaning, you know, the person you're going out with, or your mother and father, or your job, or your boss. But And then you may be able to see you're giving a lot of things the meaning. Like there was Ramana Maharshi described it as a guy sitting in a movie theater, and he sees the movie of life, and he sees it as unreal. He goes, this is unreal, everything's unreal, unreal, yeah? But he's taken himself to be real, seeing that everything else is unreal. Ramana said that was a little mistake. He says, the circle of unreality captures you. You're in it. Yeah, you actually are the, one of the biggest meanings the mind can give anything. It gave it, it gave this idea of you the meaning of being you. Yeah, which is a bigger meaning than God. Yeah, because if God was bigger than the you, then God would enforce its knowing on us. But we have we have the seeming luxury to not know or know God. I would say we're the bigger God in the mix. Yeah. Yeah, you see it. Yeah? So this mind is dreaming and it's giving meaning to things. And we, and sometimes we can see everything it's given meaning to, but we miss that it's given this a meaning. <laughs> if you miss that, man, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> It is a great relief if you can see it. <laughs> Let me gather myself together. <laughs> so, this feeling of being you is, is at an end of a mental process. A mental process is producing the sense of being a self. How does it do it? Do it? Well, its main movement is claiming. Yes? So the first thing it has to claim is conscious contact. Because there is seemingly consciousness of things here, yeah? Through the five gates and then this mind is a sixth gate. So I'm seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and I'm, I'm seeing thoughts. Here I'm aware of thoughts. Okay? So that's consciousness in contact. So what happens is a mental process arises after the fact of conscious contact, and sort of claims to be the one who's conscious. Yeah, So it's sort of like, it can never get behind the camera, but it, it, it says that it's behind the camera. So there's an assumption that I'm the one who's doing this thing called consciousness. That's why people are trying to practice becoming more conscious, as if they could be less conscious. Yeah? Consciousness can be experienced as more and less, but consciousness is not more or less. Yeah, it's not more or less. So there's conscious contact, and the mental process is claiming it, saying, I'm the one who's in contact. I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching, I'm thinking. Isn't that the feeling all day? And Buddha gave a very simple um, suggestion. He says, when you're seeing, see. When you're hearing, hear. When feeling, feel. When tasting, taste. When touching, touch. It's so simple, isn't it? But the mental interpretation of any seeing, any hearing, any feeling is, with seeing, see or seen. Hearing, hear or heard. Feeling, feel or felt. Yes? Smelling, the smeller and what was smelled. Tasting, the same thing. 
And in that interpretation, you lose the flavor. Now your mind leaves the pulse of life. Yeah? And now it's open to suggestion. And it starts taking these insane suggestions the mental process is giving it. One of them is, unbelievably, that you can get into the moment. Yeah? There's tons of books sold on it, aren't there? You read them. I use it all the time. You know, the first edition is... How to get into the moment. Sounds good. Let me read that, you know. And then you, fin- you very rarely ever end finish those books, don't you? <laughs> Maybe you get through four chapters, you go, I know, and then put it down. But then the section, second edition is how to really, really get into the moment. So you buy that one. And then how to really, really, really to get into the moment. What I'm saying is you can't be out of a moment. Yeah? Now, if you couldn't be out of a moment, then what, it would be absurd to try to get in it. And that's the experience of being in the moment. The experience of being in the moment is when you realize you can't be out of the moment. Yeah? There's no experience of being in the moment for long when it's an experience, you know? Of that you are coming out of something, being out of the moment, and getting back into something you really want to be in. That's just duality, isn't it? It's the same mental structure of yes and no, high and low, close and far, connected and disconnected. You see any, you think that's different than all the rest? That that one section of duality is really authentic and all the other stuff is easily seen? This is how the mind works here in the dreaming. It's dualistic. Yeah? It's either or, yes or no, high or low, close or far. And we're always attempting to get into something we can't get out of and we're trying to get out of things we can't get in. Yeah? We come to meetings... The meanings about not being in self, that's what they mostly talk about, is being in self. Yeah? But the thing is, how could you be in a self? It can only appear to be so. So if you are trying to get out of a, an imaginary problem, you don't see that as a problem? <laughs> you don't see that as a problem? If something is imaginary, that it really doesn't have any ability to cause an effect, it needs your believing in it to have any ability to cause an effect, because it usurps your ability in a way. You give it all the power it has, yeah? If you recognize it's an imaginary problem, what more do you need to do? Just entertain that recognition that it's an imaginary problem, yeah? The best way to be out of anything is to realize you've never, never, never been in it. And you never will be in it, and you never were in it. It's an impossibility. Hallelujah. Yeah? Seriously. Hold on a second. Can we, we'll have a question period if that's right later. Yeah? So the thing is, alright. So just like when you were a kid, when you were playing. When I was a kid, I wasn't in an abusive situation. Everything was pretty cool. And there I was playing at three or four years old. And when I was playing, I was pretty happy playing because my mind hadn't come up with the idea I could be anywhere else. Yeah. So I was totally here. And therefore, I wasn't looking for meditation retreats or any way of making it better. I was just enjoying what was on offer because I hadn't entertained anything else yet. Yeah. Time hadn't set up as a structure. So this whole, these assumptions are totally insane that we build our whole day on. Yeah. So, okay, everyone says, all right, I want to get out of self. All right, so they study about self for two years, but you could construe that as being in self, couldn't you? 
You're so in self that you're obsessed about getting out of self. You know? So like an old master said, Hoang Po, you can't use mind to get out of mind. You can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You can't use light to seek the light. You can do it for eons and nothing will happen. Yeah? There's, a, there's just a fundamental mistake that occurs in a, like a misperception, and in time and space, it can manifest geometrically. It can get more and more and more insane. Yeah? But it always comes back to this one little thing. I'm taking something that's totally impossible to be possible. So that sense of self, um, I feel, is being produced, yeah? So let's say you're on a game board called This Life, and the game is maybe most people would like to travel lighter on the game board, and yet the possibility of traveling heavy seems to be pretty frequent, yes? So we're on square number four, but we're thinking it's square zero. You have this feeling of being Paul, someone who was once here, someone who's going to be here, and therefore is here now. That feeling is the starting point. We're taking ourselves to be the Alpha and the Omega. This is where life starts for me. But you're actually at a production, at a square four of a production. A mental process has claimed the conscious contact, yeah, and interpreted it to make you the noun and everything else the object to you, yeah? That it's your life, you're living it, you're choosing, you're doing this and you're doing that. That's like being on square four. So now we move, and now the game takes a whole different meaning than if we were at square zero. Yeah? And now we're running around, usually looking for square zero, like St. Francis said, what's looking is what you're looking for. What's looking is square zero in a way, and, but while we're at square four, all we can do is look for it. Yeah? And we keep moving to different squares, and then let's say we have a pause, or like a, some, like a free sample, and then your mind freezes, and what happens, you have a sense that you're at square zero, yeah? Let's say that happens at square four. Then in life, now you have family and you have kids and you broke your leg and all this and all that, and you're at square 15, okay? But then something happens and the mind breaks open and you find yourself at square zero again. So maybe you get to square 28 in this life, and then something happens and you're back at square zero again. It dawns on you that you never left square zero, yeah? You never left square zero. It only seemed to be you were at square four, only seemed to be 15, only seemed to be 23. Because every time that was seen through, you had the sense or that, of that pause or that space or that presence, which is the feeling of square zero in a way. So how many more times do you need? How many more squares do you need to land on? Why not entertain the possibility now that there is only square zero? Everything else is, in a sense, seemingly so. Yeah? For me, it, tra- it just translates into a traveling lighter through my day. Not when I go on a retreat, or when I go away, but tonight, what's tonight? Tuesday in San Rafael at 7.35. Yeah? It's, not pro- it's not promising to change the geography of your life, but you'll travel lighter over it all. Yeah? And what more do you want? You may think you want enlightenment, but if you had an ease and comfort in your skin all day, you'd probably settle for that. 
you'd probably feel freaking pretty cool about that, yeah? If you actually felt satisfaction, you would realize all these ideas that we are maybe trying to strive for are basically just a conceptual framing of what we really want, which is just to be satisfied, yeah? Just to have a sense of contentment, yeah? Not an experience, because they will come and go, but a sense of it, something that's reliable, so where your mind can rest, yeah? Because in selfing, selfing is agitation, isn't it? Supposedly they say you have 70,000 thoughts a day. Now, I'm a house painter, I was, until I started turning, going blind, I can't see anymore. But when I used to paint houses, I'd walk in, I was very rarely surprised, usually four walls, some trim, ceiling, you know. I probably needed about 18 thoughts to go through the whole day. I knew where I was going to get lunch, I knew when I should stop. So, you know, 18 thoughts would probably do it. I could navigate my day in 18 thoughts. What are the 70, you know, 69,982 thoughts doing? What are they doing? I would say they're the glue for the mind to be bonded to the idea of self. Yeah? That glue has to be applied every day because the bond is very unnatural. Yeah? Mind, which is of no thingness, or if you want to call it spirit, being bonded to a, a mental idea and a physical body. It's not going to ever hold. Yeah? And it can only appear to be so. Yes? So the glue has to be applied all day, every day. What is it like in your head? Isn't it that way? It's like we're all brought into unclear channel. You know that big corporation, clear channel? They run most of the radio shows, but it's amazing what the mind can do. Here we are, we got this one stock unclear channel, yet we feel like it's personal. We really think this is K-Paul. We really think it's K-Steve. We really think it's K-Mary. That my thoughts are so different than your thoughts. The only difference is the my. That's the only difference. And it's not the thought that's screwing with us. It's the my that allows the thought to screw with us. Yeah? A thought is a thought. If you're in a good shape today and a thought goes through your head, has very little effect, right? Let's say that same thought goes through my head, held as mine, and I'm not feeling good, it can create a huge catastrophe, that one thought. It will have so much meaning. So it's not the thought itself, something injects the meaning into the thoughts. Yeah? The mind does, the conditional mind. How does it get the possibility or the opportunity to inject these meanings? So some people say, like in recovery, they're fear-based people. So let's say their system of thought is called, is an extreme subdivision of self-centeredness, yeah? So, and the basic theme of it is anxiety about what's going to happen, they're going to lose what they got, they're not going to get what they want, yeah? And so here's this latent possibility of mentality, yeah? Waiting to manifest. So here comes a thought, the consciousness sees the thought, the mental process claimed to be the seer of the thought, now the thought is held as my thought, the my is the bridge for all these old ideas to download into that thought and to provoke an anxiety or a fear of threat or whatever it may be that comes up. Yeah? Every day, all day, 70,000 vehicles to deliver a message. You're a loser. You're never going to be loved. Everyone else is going to go great, but you're not. Whatever it may be. It sings, a, but it, what it does is it repeats it quite a lot. Yes? And after a while, you're in a very deep swoon. And your life, 
everything, all the mental states arising and the emotional states arising and the physical states arising are being framed by this, this mental take of self-centeredness. And we're, all, we're living for the possibilities it offers, which is, you're not okay, but you may be able to be okay later. And you know what? You were once, and you must feel really shitty because you're not now. Yeah? This is what it does. So the okayness is never a state that's available now. It's something maybe I can acquire. Yeah? Maybe I can achieve. And if you believe you've achieved something, that mind that believes it's the achiever will be, the, it will also believe it can lose it. So how can you enjoy peace of mind if you find peace like a commodity that you can lose and acquire or, or barter or exchange, yeah? As soon as you have that peace, you're going to lose the peace because you're going to be worried, will I be in the peace tomorrow? Yeah? The thought system can't think but through time. So when you arrive somewhere, there's a, we used to tell a story, it's a simple way to explain something about the mind. See, my take is, I don't want to talk about the universal love and this and that. Because, let's say if you hear a message that you're a lion, but you're hearing it with cheap ears, what's going to happen is, here's the message, you're a lion, you're a lion, you're a lion. And you'll be going, yeah, I'm a lion, I'm a lion. And you hear it, and as soon as it hits your sheep ears, what it turns into, I can become like a lion. That's not the message. Oh, I got it. I understand what you're saying. I, I'm a lion. I'm a lion. I, I can become like a lion. No, that's not the message. Because what happens is, in the pursuit to become like a lion, you're reinforce, reinforcing the sense of being a sheep. Yeah? Your sense of trying to get out of something is what's defining being in it. That's the trick of mind. It doesn't care if you start looking for the truth. It can wear robes and put petroleum oil just like tattoos and leather jackets. It can, it can take any identification with any situation here. It's not scared at all. You can meditate till your, your knees drop off. It doesn't care. It's not threatened at all. It'll become the meditator. It's called the bondage of self. That's what it is. It's an activity of mental, of, of a mental process. It never fucking happened. It can only seem to be happening now. And how it seems to be happening is it was happening and it will be happening. That's how it seems to be happening now. Because it can happen now. The bonding does not happen now. It happens now, but it's brought about by the bookend of there and then. If you don't buy the there and then, you will not feel the bondage now. So for me, it's sort of like, in seeing what I'm not, that's what I am. Is the seeing of what I'm not. The seeing of what I'm not is that's what I am. I don't have to go any farther than that. As soon as that's, as soon as that's seen, that's that. And then you'll find out. You're never gonna know. You're never gonna be able to separate yourself to know the truth. But what will happen is, you'll be in that mind of I don't know, and you'll find out. Because that truth will express through it, through you in so many unique ways. You'll see a multi-dimensional, multi-splendid expression of truth in your own freaking life while you're walking around San Rafael. Yeah. And it doesn't stop. It's expressing and expressing and expressing and expressing and expressing. Yeah? And it's just looking for a vehicle. Any vehicle will do. 
Just like you're taken over by a mental parasite, you can be taken over by this aspect of mind. Yeah, and you'll be the better for it. It truly is. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. The one who sees, that's the source of the beauty, not what's being seen. Yeah? When the freedom starts settling in, that... You really, you will know the problem from the solution. And from the solution, there is no problem. And therefore, there's no even a need for a solution. That's a damn good solution. Seriously, it's such a freaking good solution. It's like Ramana said with the thorn, you know. You got a thorn in your foot, and every time you walk, which you got to do here, right? This is a travel. This is like an action figure movie. We're in action here. So we're walking around with this thorn, and it's bothering us, yeah? So what happens? We look around, and we find another thorn. We use the second thorn to get the first thorn out, yeah? We don't replace it with the second thorn. This message is not it, it leads to something, yeah? After you get the first thorn out, you don't place the second thorn in, you throw both of them out. So if the problem is imaginary, and that's the solution, then if it is imaginary, the problem, there is no need for a solution. That's the solution. That's the beauty of it, yeah? There is no need even for a solution. <laughs> You can't get your little mental grubby hands on it. <laughs> the idea of being connected and disconnected doesn't hold water anymore. Because it's all the way, the selfing is always trying to write its own relevance into the story. As if it could stop you from being what you are. It's impossible. <laughs> I mean, I tried the other way of practicing and trying to get there. It didn't work for me. I don't know. Maybe it does for you. It didn't work for me. I had tons of experiences, but nothing radically changed. It was still the same format. I was this something, the noun, and I was going to do these verbs to get something and make me a better noun. I'm going to get something, a noun called the truth, and I know if I get the truth, it's going to make me a better noun, yeah? But there is no noun and verb, there's just verbing. That's all that's going on here. Everything is just streaming, streaming, streaming. It's not streaming towards anyone or from anyone, it's just streaming, yeah? The mind wants to go, oh, if there's an action, there must be an actor. If there's a feeling, there must be a feeler. It always wants to insert a noun. That's the only way it can write a story about this time and this place. It needs a noun to make it meaningful. And the noun usually has to be you to really be, suck you in. Yeah? You, when, have you ever had people come over and talk about, they're really flipping out about what's not happening? Aren't you bored in about two minutes? I mean, you, you can't see it, you can't feel it, you're nothing, it's not here, but they're totally flipping out. It's like, I, have, I know some friends, their world ends every week. You know? Oh, this is, my world's ending! And then I see them a week later. And, I mean, they have, must be, have a lot of worlds because they're ending like every other week. This whole idea, if someone starts talking and, you, and it's not about you, you have an immunity to it. You don't find much interest in it, do you? But they're totally up the ass of self because it's about them. That's the glue. It's not, it's not the movie, it's the audience that makes it good. 
the movie is basically bogus. It runs on a few loops, really. Yeah, But the audience, when the mind is fooled, it gives it the technicolor, the Panavision quality. It gives it its, its sense of reality. Yeah. So what happens? If I'm living from a system called, of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness, let's question the center of the system, self. Yeah. If I'm not that, this is what happened in, in recovery. I was an addict, an alcoholic, you know. I've been almost 25 years sober now. And uh, I got, you know, just totally washed up. I was really, I felt this, it, it felt like a parasite to me. Something had taken me over and was using me for transportation. It was a really nasty parasite. But the, it has an incredible strategy. Because if it, it, it knows that it's so nasty that any host would throw it off at the drop of a hat. But if it, if convinces the host that it's the host, then you can't, your mind logically, the self-centered mind can't think of being free from it. It can only think of being free as it, which is still bonds to self, yeah? But after years of being in recovery, it, I had a little dawning, and I realized it's a foreign installment, this idea of being a self. It's a production, yeah? It's being produced. As soon as I realized or entertained a possibility, hey, I may not be that, the, ne- the next instant my mind can entertain, I can be free from it. Not as it, yeah? Not for it, but from it, yeah? As soon, all I needed was the possibility. That's all these talks are about, is dropping in a possibility into a very self-contained, well-defended thought system, Yeah? Dropping it in there, sort of like the mail slot is a conceptual mail slot, so we use words, but the words are just a vehicle. The message is something else that can provoke an aha or an unspoken yes in your gut. Yeah, that, And what happens is the envelope, the, the conditional mind sees it, it doesn't threaten it much, you can, oh yeah, you know, but what, when the envelope's open, nothing gets out, and nothing's the message. Nothing is the gift that keeps on giving. Nothing. No thing. If I did a halfway decent job today, you should leave with exactly what you came here with. Nothing. (laughs) Maybe a little less money, but nothing. Nothing as this. Because nothing is it. You can't do anything with nothing. And the mind will try to make it into something and make it into something. And when it gets exhausted, it's still nothing. And there's the freedom. Truly. If freedom was based on you, you wouldn't be free too often, would you? You have to... So, there's the things they talk about, non-duality, non-duality meetings, have you heard of them? Yeah? But you know what, non-duality is a negation, yes? Not two. So there isn't any non-duality meaning. There never was, and there never will be. It's really, and if no one's a teacher of non-duality. They're a teacher of duality. Yeah, just like they said, when you study the self, you forget the self. When you study duality, you'll forget duality. Yeah? That's the message. This is a message of not accumulating or acquiring anything, but to sort of allow ourselves to be pared down and economized and to travel a lot lighter. You don't need a wealth of information to make it through this day. You know? 
Any questions? We want to do questions? Yeah. What do you mean by freedom exactly? Well, I'm, it's, to me, what I'm talking about freedom is from something, from the bondage of self. That's that, what I mean. That would be nothing. That would be just seeing yourself as nothing, not even seeing yourself as something, which is nothing, but just there's just nothing to see yourself as. Yes. Well, the thing is, it's more, and the, that doesn't have a meaning. What has a meaning, the freedom is given to meaning because of the experience of being bonded. Yeah? So, when I say the freedom is really an echo of the relief from the bondage of self, because in this place, I, the mind here had lots of experiences of being bonded with self. Yeah? So, freedom doesn't... That's the meaning. It's more of another negation. It's not... I can't describe what freedom is, but I can describe what I'm freedom from. Yeah? That has content in a way. So that's what I mean by it. And I may mean something tomorrow different. And the reason for, for that is because of the feeling of uh, no self. I mean, is there, what's the underlying motivation to even talk about or want to be? I have no idea. I don't even question it. It's just a seat assignment. You know, it started in recovery and then it just morphed into this. We made a mistake by putting on a, a website Zen bitch slap, and then people started getting in touch with me and asked me if I'd come and give talks. So <laughs> that's what happened. Exactly. I was quite happy doing what I was doing in, in recovery. I feel more akin to that anyway, because it's the tribe I came from. And when I first started coming and seeing quote unquote normal people, I didn't think they needed anything. You know, I, I, and, I, and then I realized there's something called it. There's spiritual suffering, which you, some of you, need us program oh, man you need to get have an intervention uh, you know and go on go to a retreat where you don't go on retreats you know what i mean really like a 28 day program to break this fucking bondage this seeking you know someone come in and take all your books away and all your dvds and your little subscriptions to everyone else on the internet and you'd be left with your own devices because right there is the nugget it's always there at all times with no requirement necessary to meet it. It wouldn't be what it is unless it was available at all times. Or let's say it wouldn't be what it isn't <laughs> if it wasn't available at all times. Yes? To me, that's what love is in a way. The mind can seemingly get into this knot and yet the solution to that knot is always available at all times, every moment. Because every moment is contextualized by timelessness. Yeah? Time is appearing in timelessness. Yeah? So therefore, time will never beat timelessness to the draw. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because the gun's out already. You can never beat timelessness. Yeah? Because it's already so. It's, never, it's not produced. It's not remembered. It's not a process. It's already so. There's the love. So every time we get into some mental knot, the solution's available right there. Right while the seeming knot's in place, there's the solution. How much more love do you want? Yeah. You still do recovery? Yes, sure. I love it. I see in recovery we have a tradition. Tradition 2, which is my favorite one, which just says there's a loving God, and don't get caught up with the word God, you know. There's a loving God that will express itself through our group conscience. So we meet a lot, and it's a great thing to get together with humans. It helps. 
Yeah? And uh, I always sense a presence in the rooms. So if we took everyone individually, they'd all be assholes, let's say. But when they're together, they put out a, a sweet perfume. Yeah? Because something's overriding the personalness, right? Or the individuality. I don't know why. I think there's grace in recovery, quite a lot of it. I really do. And uh, so, yeah, I love to go in there. Do you talk like this there? No. I, t- I, I, uh, I slip it in there, but I learned you got to be a lot more, uh, <laughs> how shall I say, uh, uh, yeah. It's an art in itself because, um, yeah, yes, it's just an art in itself. You want to, and the message gets through. A lot of people, they love when I share an AA, then I tell them to go to Zen Bitch Slap, I never hear from them again. <laughs> really? Or they come to one of these meetings, never see them again. So, I very rarely invite anyone from there to here. <laughs> I'm called No Self Paul there in the community. <laughs> <laughs> An authority on nothing. <laughs> it's so much lighter than even having one solution. You don't need any. <laughs> See, if I took myself to be this, this, this was going to be a continual urban renewal project. There was always fault to be found. Yes? I'd always be busily working on me, always trying to add an addition or a subtraction. This is called selfing. So, if you ever read the Buddhism when they have the Four Noble Truths, and then they say uh, the Eightfold Path, so the Four Noble Truths is suffering, you know, and they say desire. So I like to change that a little bit, and I say it's the mental process is, has a desire to become. That's what it does, yeah? The mental process has a, that's let's say uh, represented the way I speak about it as selfing has a desire to become a self. That's what it's attempting to do. Yeah, it can't actually complete the mission, but it can, all it can do is make it seem to be so. So it's constantly agitated. Yeah, so it's constantly desiring to become something, and then to fortify its own assumption, it's also working hard to unbecome what it thinks it is, which it can't be either. Yeah? So there's a desire to become, and then there's a desire to unbecome. And it's not gonna stop. It's like a slinky. The one movement produces the movement, the next movement. And it goes on and on and on. That's selfing. Yes? It has a desire that can never be fulfilled, because it can't be a self. It can't be a long-lasting, independent, separate action figure. It can't be, I started, you know, 1950-something, and I'm going to, it just cannot happen. Yeah? So it's going to be thwarted at all times. What happens when something gets thwarted continually? The mind is going to leak out and try to get relief. Yeah? So for me, the original addiction is the mind's addiction, the mental process's addiction to being a self, and then all the other addictions are trying to get relief from that one. Really, every time I shot dope, I wanted to get out of self. That's all I wanted. I wanted to get out of the predicament my, thought, my self thought it was in. The self thought it was in. How the world was presented to me was this, where the solution was, which was right now, was the last place I wanted to be. I wanted to be anywhere other than where I was. I wanted to be anywhere other than my own skin, because that's where the solution was. Yeah? 
Then suddenly I came into recovery, and I let things, I let, and I realized what I've been trying to do my whole life, I was trying to make things I thought were real, unreal. Like when I got hurt emotionally, like my grandmother and my father died when I was young, not nine, and it was, all my love was out there, and suddenly the object they were out, it was out there too, were gone. It was really vulnerable, so I said, fuck, the walls came up and everything like that, really fast. Yep. So, this thing, this, this idea, of this, um, where was I just then? Hey, what's real, unreal? Oh yeah, so all these things that really hurt me seemingly, I wanted to make as unreal as I wanted to make them, and I made them more real. Every effort to make them unreal made them more real. So finally I got into recovery, I let all those things be as real as they wanted to be, and they showed me their true nature, which is unreal. I was the one that was giving them all the meaning they had. Seriously, it's like in the, in the jungle, a predator has a prey. It's pretty easy to see, right? The predator is ripping the prey's throat out. You can see the relationship with predator-prey. But in this little mental construction, the, the sense of self, the selfing, has you by you moving away from it. By you trying to get out of it all the time, that's being in it. The move to get out of it is being in it. Uh, I was listening to your uh, your tapes up in Toronto. Yeah. It seems to be different than your norm your meetings. Yeah, they're all mostly normal people. Uh, whatever they call normal, whatever. Like you started on Thursday or something, and like at the end of the first hour, you said, "Okay." Is this it? Are we done? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you don't want to be there for four days. Well, the thing is, they have a, it's a business place. And a friend of mine has to make money. So, and people think the more they pay, the more value they're going to get. So they think that four hours is better than one hour, which I don't believe to be so. But because it's a situation there, so I, 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 uh, agree to do four hours Saturday and Sunday. But I'm not a believer in that, to tell you the truth. I don't think, this is a message or an invitation. It's not a dissertation. If you get a message, if it's eight minutes, are you going to listen to the message? No. Probably you just want to know where to go at what time. Yeah. The invitation is like a spiritual subpoena. You've already been served. Here you go. Yeah. Now, I believe in repetition, but not so closely put together. I'd rather just do a talk. I do like two talks a week before I did three talks a week. That was sufficient. You can't get that crazy from Monday to Wednesday, usually. Yeah? So we used to have Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday if people wanted. So we would have the repetition and sit in that certainty that things that seem to be so true, true may not be. And it's helpful for the people because repetition helps. Just like... The mind, the conditional minds use repetition to get you into believing in incredibly insane ideas. Yeah? The same way, if you entertain this possibility and it's repeated, it's like the mind may be like a lazy Susan. You never know when one of the, like one of the messages will get all the way through. Yeah? And what happens is, a pause will occur, or you'll feel like a pregnant space, and at that moment, raw mind is the dominant mind, not the conditional aspect of mind. Yeah? The raw mind is the dominant. One little free sample of that can change your whole freaking life here. Yeah? That's what we're doing. That's why we share these messages, you know? And it's just a seed assignment for me. 
I wanted to help people who suffered from alcoholism because I know what it's like to suffer from alcoholism. It's a hell. And if you knew that there was a bus stop in hell that would take you out of hell and you had the ability to articulate things, you would probably be in this position too. You know, I wanted to see people stop suffering as much. Now this thing morphed into another whole thing, you know. Like when I first started going to meetings where people weren't in recovery, I would tell the person, don't come back. They had so much information. I said, go to a soup kitchen and help someone you don't know. It'll be much better than coming to one of these satsangs. You got too much stuff in your head. You need to take an action. Yeah? Be available to somebody else. So I don't like big, long retreats. I don't believe in it. I don't believe it's necessary. If you like it, to do yoga and meditate, far out. But it's not necessary to entertain this message. I like, because this message to me is more like a dog shit awareness. It's best, the best retreat is in ordinariness. Yeah? Because your mind loves to give meaning to things. You know? I meditated 12 hours. Like, that's much better than washing the dishes. It's always giving nobility to activities. This way, this, by just having a message, a meeting, and we don't have any, I don't, you know, we don't have, we don't wear the same garb. <laughs> you know what I mean? There is a secret handshake, but you're not going to get it tonight. <laughs> we don't do that. We just share this thing, and then we all go, we hang out, and then go home. And then see how you go. If you feel motivated to meditate, meditate. Yeah? But there's no path to illumination. This illuminates every path. You are the illuminating factor of every path that you'll ever step on. You are. Not the path. You are. Yeah. Yes? Um, I guess I've been to a couple of retreats before um, a long time, and I remember um, coming out of retreat and into the real world again, and I was like, wow, what do I do with all that information that I've gotten? How do I transfer it over into the real world? And, and I... I guess because I don't do retreats enough, it's not a repetition. It's not something that stays with me every day. It's like, wait, I need to go back and do that another week. Yeah, back yeah. Because I'm like losing all that stuff and I miss it. And I can't ever find contentment with just now and dealing with the ordinary of everyday life. It's like there's so much to deal with in that on its own. It's kind of a struggle. Like, um, It's just a being in recovery and trying to make sense of everything that's going on. And... Um, not buying into, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for long retreats. It can be beneficial for a lot of people, but I really appreciate what you said right there because it started making um, me realize how to do all those stuff every day. See, this retreat you're on here, it ain't going to end until you end, in a way. The body ends. Sure. You never, yeah. It just goes on. And this is like incessantly on. Incessantly on. It doesn't blink. It doesn't have any opinion. It doesn't giveth and taketh away. Yeah? It's like the... If you look at the... They use the uh, term of sky, like an open sky. If you look at a big open sky, and then things appear in the sky, right? So let's say a plane flies through the sky. Did you ever hear them call up the uh, terminal and say we ran into a big bit of sky up here? No. Yeah? When the birds shit, do they ever always, do they land on the sky or on your car? Usually on your car. Yes? When it rains, does the sky get wet? No. So here's the mind, the mind. It's allowing all of these things to go on. All of the seeming appearances. Everything is going on, yet not... Whatever's going on, no matter how much you give importance to it or not, doesn't leave any imprint on the mind. 
Yeah? Not even a henna tattoo. Nothing. Nothing. Yes? It's that clear and that bright and that spacious. Where do you believe you're from in relation to that? I think that that's a good one there, yeah. The thing is, the idea of the self has this delusion, this idea of self, that if all the suffering was removed, it would be great. It's the source of the suffering. It's where all mental anxiety arises from. And most of what people are suffering from, especially in Marin, come on, give me a freaking break here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was once at a group, I was once at a meeting with some teacher. <laughs> and, uh, so I shared at the meeting, you know, they, you could get up there and I, this was years ago. And so they invited me to go to a private meeting. So I went in there. I never did it before. And I was sitting up in the front and the teacher was in front of me. And there was people behind me. And this lady started sharing. And I didn't, I was looking at the late, you know, the teacher. And this lady was sharing and she was talking about, she wanted to share her experience of homelessness, you know. Oh wow, that's pretty interesting. And then everyone had the emotional, oh, you know, like, Oh, oh, really? Yeah. And then she went on. She says, "Oh, yeah, we bought a house, a new house and stuff, and uh, we just moved in. And I was getting something from the porch, and I, the door slammed, and I realized the keys were in there. So I had to sleep on my porch that night. That was her idea of homelessness. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm going, Jesus Christ." <laughs> The thing too, look at the thought. Let's say if you have a, if this mental base that's downloading all the meaning into the thoughts that are being claimed by the mental process as you being the thinker, yeah? If that is happening and there's an, uh, an old idea in that conditionality that is never going to be enough, it doesn't matter if have, you have two million dollars. Yeah? You'll still be anxious about it. When the whole point is, you could at least maybe six months in Marin live pretty good with two million, right? <laughs> you would you would think in the delusion that that would translate into an ease and comfort, but it isn't the money. It's the my money. The my overruns whatever meaning someone can give to the the money. The my is the biggest meaning. So if the my says I'm never going to have enough, it will be anxious over two. I had a guy come over my house. He got an inheritance of $250,000. He started sharing all the problems he thought this was going to produce. My friends won't be able to relate with me anymore because I'm wealthy now. And he went on and on and on and on like this. I said, I said, give me $70,000. I'll enjoy it. It sounds like a burden to you. Kick down. $70,000. I'll take it. I couldn't believe it. I said, Kent, do you hear yourself? Fucking start enjoying it. I don't know what to do. Yeah, but they won't give it to you. <laughs> They're bitching about it, but hey, no. That's some bullshit of mine. Yeah. It's not the thought. It's not the situation. Those situations seem to be bad here. And there's certain things 
There's a geography of your life that you're going to have to go over, but you can you can travel lighter over it, yeah? So when a, a bad situation occurs, the mental process is usually making it a lot worse than it could be. All we're doing is skimming off that mental top. We're not saying you're going to be feeling great and you're not going to feel any pain. That's a ma- that's magical thinking. You're going to you're going to feel more than of everything. You're going to feel every second the body is going off. The idea that you you had a stable body years ago was like a mental, it's like putting the body into an ice cube with no feeling in it. Your body is going through sensations every second, and there's consciousness of it. Every second the state of your body is varying. Sometimes huge swings, sometimes not so huge. There's millions of sensations, yeah? But the joy sometimes is in the seeing of them. Not the meaning the mental process gives them, but there's a consciousness of them. You're on, and you can be aware of the consciousness. You can go, in a sense, beyond the consciousness and be aware of the consciousness. Yeah, Not you, but the mind. I just found it helped a lot, man. <laughs> I swear. And the community I work in, they can, they are, they're like miracle workers. They can make something out of nothing all day. They're just fucking their minds up thinking about what's not happening. Constantly. You know? It's very difficult. Like if I was, you know, I could open up a therapy thing and become a, a, a psychiatrist that deals with what's not happening. I'd have the, sh- I'd have the shortest meetings of all. They'd pay for an hour, they'd come in, they'd start yapping. That's not happening. That's it. Bye. See you next week. What? Oh yeah. It does, I don't need an hour. I know it's not happening right now. If you get that it's not happening, that's the immunity. Yeah? That's the immunity. Hey, it's not happening. What else are you going to need to do with it? Nothing. The greatest solution is no solution at all. Every solution is determined by the problem. If the problem is totally negated, there's no need for a solution. That's a good solution. Yeah? So any more questions? Yes. Sometimes I hear voices. Well, I hear voices, but I hear voices, and I'm not sure sometimes whether it's the mind talking or the eternal self being what it is. And it seems like they'll come out of the blue, it's like you know, do this or do that. The ones that are helpful seem to be from the eternal self, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't either. <laughs> But just follow, see, you'll get a feel for it. Yeah. If it leads you in a good direction and it seems to be reliable, then rely on it. Yeah? If you open up to intuition when it drops in, then it becomes more accessible. Yeah. The mind, see, the mind has been, it's like uh, being a marathon runner that was put in a closet. The mind has gotten very neurotic here. Very, very, it's eating its own tail, yeah? The neuroses and mental illnesses are just spawning. It needs to be let out, like free range, and entertain some other possibilities of I will be okay, or I'll get what I need. No, but have a sense that you're okay now, you know? And then the mind can entertain, it's like seeing its original face. It never gets bored with that original face, because there isn't a face there. It's like, it's like a seeing that never runs into anything, so it just infinitely sees. Yeah? It's not never ceases, never 
ceases. No interruption, nothing. A constant, that's the, that's the most ultimate stillness, is this incessant constant movement of seeing is the ultimate stillness. Your mind is that. If you get a sensation of a pause in a meeting, that's just a sample of it. That's like a, just a, a pale reflection of the possibility of the mind. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, what are you curious about? about? That, hmm? like they just, they just yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. I think so. Then, but, you know, after you get a, get a couple of free samples, buy the product line. <laughs> I don't care. I would say it all comes from mind, but I don't really care. You know? The thing, what's really good is, one of the first things that left me was the need to be liberated. That was a great relief. Yeah? yeah? yeah. I was free because the only thing that needs to be liberated is the self. That's the only thing that needs it. What you are doesn't need to be liberated. Yeah? And so I lost interest in a lot of stuff. I lost interest in all the mind candy about spirituality. I could care less. You know, I have no idea what's going on here. And that's my position. Is I don't know. Yeah? And then I'm relegated into finding out. And finding out is a much better form of knowledge. It's much more convincing. It's sort of, it becomes unspoken yeses in your gut where you just know beyond knowing. Yeah? Or actually prior to knowing. It's like a real, it's, it's reliable because the mind is so agitated. It's constantly going, you know? And like it says in the Bible, the Son of Man has no place to rest its head. Yeah, So it's just running, 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 running. But then the mind falls upon this idea, it can find true rest. Yeah, True rest. Yeah, And then, you know, then meanings to words that you used to have, like we say in AA, you'll, 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 have, you'll comprehend the word serenity and no peace. That will happen. Yeah? Any questions? More? This is a very unusual event. I don't usually take questions either. Because they usually turn into therapy. See, I'm saying this so that you won't raise your hand. See, it's pretty smart of me, baby. <laughs> but I don't like the therapy stuff. Because that you can get anywhere. This is just, this is a message and an invitation. Short and sweet. There is a possibility that you are what you're looking for. There is that possibility, yes? What we're talking about is, let's question what we think we are, not try to find out what we are. Because if you keep trying to find out what you are as what you think you are, you're never going to find it, yeah? Self can't get out of self. So let's just question, are we a long-lasting, independent, separate entity? Are we that? Yeah. If we're not that, then all the bondage of those ideas gets loosened. And your mind can now receive and entertain new possibilities. And when they are entertained, they're going to seek expression. And they're going to seek expression through this, yeah? Through this. They have an urge to express. Yeah. Yes? Well, something that I 
something that's been a lot lately is that is how um, you know being dependent on ideas of like religion and psychology and those kinds of things. It's like it keeps people um, like children, like dependent, like children, and therefore not independent or free. It can, yes, yeah. But remember, there aren't any people, really, in a sense. So there isn't any people buying in, because then the emphasis would be on people buying in. Yeah? It's mind. Yeah? Mind is manifesting. Like, mind is, there's a lot of mental wins, but I know that they're, they're seeking expression. Just like, to me, alcoholism is like a parasite or a mental wind that's seeking expression. So when it finds the opportunity to play a note here through this flute, it will. And you will be in bonded to that thing. And you will suffer immeasurably that takeover. Yes? So, there's just mental winds looking for a possibility to express. And where that possibility? Yeah? Now you can be taken over by the grace, or you can be taken over what they call the devil. And you'll be used for transportation either way. And one will probably be a pretty rough ride, and the other one may be a smoother one. Yeah, and you'll know the quality of what's taking you over by its expression like Jesus says you'll know the tree by its fruits a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit you will know in your gut the voice you will start knowing you've got to become the authority finally yeah like you were saying the dependence is to other authorities ancient authorities they're all helpful to a point but then after that point, they do you a disservice. Like they say, you know, when you see the Buddha on the street, shoot him. Because you'll be denying your own Buddhahood. So sooner or later, you become the one that's the authority in your gut. And you know without any debate or any going over and mincing words, you just have a sense of the freedom of knowing yeah, that this can't be defined. You can never capture it by any saying. You can't say it in a perfect way. It's all sloppy. Everything is used just as a conveyance of this message. Yeah. If the someone is sitting in the certainty of that, that should be conveyed in whatever he says or she says. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. That's the message. And it just acknowledges the same is there, seemingly there. Yeah. It's just the same tickle. Yeah. And I find you don't need much. I really don't. I have faith in mind. I don't think the mind needs much. I think it just needs the possibility, and it has the ability to entertain. How many times, I remember when I was younger, I was 11 years old, and uh, in the throes of self-centeredness, and I was walking through the hallway at school, and a pretty girl said hello to me, and I went home and wondered what she meant by it for five hours. Yeah, <laughs> It was the most profound thing of, uh, in one day of many profound things, because I was very profound. And the only way I could look at it, though, was only from self-centeredness. So no matter how I looked at it, I only saw it from how it pertained to me. That's the disease of the mind. Yes? That's the disease. That's what the relief is from, like that. You lose interest in that activity. The calibration changes. You lose interest and, and your attention gets dismissed from it because, why? Not that you pride it off, that you entertain it's not about me. And if it's not about you, you will lose interest in it really fast. 
Just like if I was sitting, we were sitting here and there was a meeting in this other room and there was a pretty girl that I wanted to meet in that meeting and I, my mind was giving her a lot of meaning, like she's going to be my wife, I'm going to have two kids with her and of course everything's going to be great. So I'm really, this is really important and it's much more important than this, so I'm, I'm supposedly doing this, but I'm really in, engaged in listening. I want to hear what she says, if she says anything about me. I'm, I'm sure she's going to talk about me, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so there I am. So some people say, hey, Paul, you're supposed to be doing this talk. I, I agree with you, but I can't. I can't call the dogs back because they're not my dogs. Yeah? The interest and attention just goes where it goes. <laughs> you're not, it's not your interest and attention. It's interest and attention. It's not yours. So <laughs> it goes there. So suddenly someone comes up to a desk and puts a book in. How to lose interest in a conversation in the other room. So I read through the book and I agree. I'd really like to lose interest and be here now and really, but I can't, you know, it's impossible. So suddenly she starts talking. I go, whoa. And she says, I really like that guy, Matt. And my name is Paul. What happens? I lose interest immediately in that conversation. I don't do a three month retreat on how to lose interest in it. Right. It's not about me. That's all. It's not about me. Interest and attention go somewhere else. There's your solution. You don't think there's a principle in that one example? That's it. If, so, if the mental process isn't about you, you'll lose interest in the mental process. That's called forgetting the self. Because this is what allows you to remember the self. Yeah? So how it worked with me was I started entertaining, hey, I'm not that. I'm not the center of all these thoughts and all these stories. And I lost interest in the thoughts and the stories. And I don't, you know, and now that same interest that was bonding me to this idea of being a Paul is now enriching my life because it's right here and now, not up the ass of self. So what, just like everything in this manifestation, there's possibilities of mind that are seeking expression. Just like everyone in this room has tons of faith. But if you have faith in this broken thought system, it's going to produce anxiety. Your faith is going to make those thoughts about next week and how bad it's going to be seem real as real can be. What is that but faith? Yeah? So the faith isn't, it's just a potential and it manifests by the vehicle it's put in. So now, okay, what happens if I'm not interested in the idea of self? I'm still going to be centered but not self-centered. My mind is now going to be centered where? Right where it always is, everywhere. Is there any special place in everywhere? No. Is there a center in everywhere? No. So you're always centered right where you are at all times. And you've lost interest in the self. You forgot it, like Dogen said, or whatever his name was, and St. Francis says, you're in the experience of forgetting the self, because you've broken the habit of remembering it all day. By seeing just by entertaining, hey, I may not be that. Yeah. Hmm? Are you? No, I, I was just thinking, I mean, that to study the self, to forget the self, I mean, maybe people get bored or not even know whatever they are. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's what happens. You get bored, you lose interest. Into the self for as long as you are, 
and then finally you start having these realizations, and then you're not. I mean, it's not like, it doesn't seem to me that it's like you could pick the time to be done with the self. I mean, the self is going to do its thing, because you're nothing, right? So, I mean, we don't really have any power but see, but then again, if you take that attitude, it'll neuter something. It'll neuter something. It will be like the lady said in the back, you're now dependent on this idea that there's nothing to do. This is entertaining. There's no one that's doing it. Mine has always been the doing of everything. Let the mind entertain this possibility and see what happens. Yeah, When you so speak in a way that way, it neuters you, right, in a way. There's nothing I can do, which is true, but it's, it's done in a morbid fashion. There's nothing you can do, but mind is doing it all. It doesn't feel morbid. Well, then, that's great, then. If, what, if that's the way it works, for me, it's about entertaining, yeah? Which is a constant uh, engagement. It's not passive at all. It's constantly engaged. So you're the one that's doing it? No, there is no one that's doing it. It's yeah, mine that's doing it. Exactly. But sometimes if you're, if people are hearing it as a someone, that's one of the things I don't like about the non-duality messages at times. Because people get very, very passive. Yeah? Oh, there's nothing I can do. There's this and that. You know, go to satsang. Yeah? Entertain the possibility. If you, just like if you think you have free will, exert it. Yeah? If there's a feeling that you could do something different than you're doing now, then do it. Yeah, It's all mind and mind alone. There's no one there. Why is there... I find this is totally engaged. Totally. All day. Every second of this time, I'm engaged in entertaining. You know, it seems like there's no one doing it, but there's a lot of doing in a way. Yeah, yeah. It seems to me that the self is that's it's all wrapped up in myself. The, the doer's all wrapped up in in the self. And when I feel the best is in the moment when the self just sort of drops and I feel nothing. I feel like I'm nothing. That's that's to me what you're pointing to. That's what I think you're pointing to. At least that's how the words I would use about this place where... And now everything's an entertainment. Because it's just... But the entertaining is happening on its own. Yeah. Suddenly realizing I'm not doing any of it, and it's just happening. Yeah. Well, it always has been happening on its own. Yeah. Yeah. So while there's doing going on, it's still happening on its own. Yeah. Exactly. Any more questions? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You only get two for the night, all right? So you run out after this. So a lot of people talk about deliberate creation using the law of attraction. Deliberate creation? Yeah, yeah. The law of attraction, setting an intention to get something you want to have happen. What do you think about all that? Not much, really. That's not my calling. So I don't have any interest in it, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, care to bring up any uh, observations of so-called unique thoughts? <laughs> the unique thoughts are usually uh, the nouns. So let's say if I'm walking a dog, 
and someone else is walking a dog, they think it's different because the dog is Fido to them and mine's Biff, you know? But it's still walking the dog, yeah? The thoughts. I think it's just interchanging nouns makes it seem different. But verbing is the same. It's sort of like, I really believe it's like unclear channel, in a sense. The thought system called self-centeredness, the thoughts have definite qualities. They're all drenched in time, yes? They're all usually... uh, their logic is subject noun, noun, you know what I mean? Subject, I'm the one that's doing this, I'm the one that's seeing this, and this and that. So they're dualistic, they're of time, and they're always used, they're always pertaining or assuming or implying or inferring that there is a, a self, yeah? So if you didn't do it and I didn't do it, God did it. There's always something that did everything, yes? So, there's always a feeling that the thought is unique, but I don't think there's any unique thoughts. Yeah? I think we'd really be surprised if we had like a five minutes thing of uh, some lady's thoughts and put in your head. Yeah? You'd be really surprised that the only difference is that it's Nancy instead of Paul. Yeah? The noun is, makes, the noun is like the flavor to it. So you, we're getting, everyone's being fed porridge all day, and it's left to the mind to make it interesting. We're adding all the raisins and the nuts and the maple syrup, yeah? But it's basically porridge all day. <laughs> and it gets boring as hell, it does. Because you'll lose interest in it if it's not about you. I swear to God, that's how it happens. It isn't like noble. It's not like you make a great decision. It's just the mind loses interest in it because it's not about it anymore. It just realized something and it moves. The calibration changes, yeah? Now, does anything cause it like the man said? I don't know. I don't believe so. But, hey, I like the idea of repetition here. If you hear the message, gets in there, see what happens, and maybe the mind will receive it. And the mind will say, okay, the gig's up, that's it, and I'll start, the calibration will occur, and you'll be the beneficiary in a sense. The experience of seemingly being you here will travel lighter. Yeah? Yeah. Any day, that's it, right? No? Yes? Uh, one more. Oh, you'll have find plenty of things. Oh, yeah. Oh, that doesn't happen. No, because it's not the thing that's being talked about. It's the engagement. Yeah? It's what's going on. There's a dance going on. It's fun to participate in it. Yeah? Yeah. No, that doesn't, that doesn't, you, th- you would think, you know, in the mental logic of self-centeredness, you would think that nothing would mean anything anymore, and it's totally opposite. You actually, in a sense, be, seem to be more individual when you're not an individual. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. You get weirder, I think. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> you may lose a lot of friends and stuff for a while. <laughs> but a few will appreciate you like a fine wine, maybe. <laughs> so yeah, don't yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yes? Yeah? Who's the boss here? 
I'm looking for someone to say, that's it. I am? That's it. Hey, I want to thank everyone for coming here. I appreciate the offer to come here. And it's a pleasure to see everybody. I wish you all the best. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. We have a website called zenbitchlap.com. We have meetings every Wednesday in Marin City. I mean, every Saturday in Marin City at 11.15 at St. Andrew's Church and every Wednesday night at Lake Inagualo at St. John's. And on the website, there's the schedule and what time and uh, map it and everything. Yeah. And it's donation only. You just come in if you like. And uh, we have two meetings a week. And come join us. Saturday's a nice day. We tend to go out afterwards, have coffee and hang out and have a nice little fellowship. So you're more than welcome to join us. So just go to zenbitchslap.com. And then also, tons of stuff there, download for free, tons of talks. This will be up there soon, too. I think, no, I didn't. I didn't record it. My one job, I forgot to record it. But he did. All right, good.